Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, For more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Welcome everyone to the show. We're delighted and honored that you're here. Today is Friday. Let's see, it's April the 28th. I don't know, I wasn't ready to do this. I don't know if the genie's got a problem with her phone or what have you, but in any event, we're honored. We're delighted that you're here to share this space with us as we look into this ancient uh, healing technology from the first century called forgiveness. Forgiveness having nothing to do with I let you off the hook for what's happening inside of me, but rather if there's something going on inside of me, I look at and I deal with what's mine to deal with. And so this morning I'd like to, or this afternoon, I guess it depends what part of the country that you're in, I'd like to take a look at some ideas from A Course in Miracles and look at the creative ability of we as human beings. There's an old saying that says to hammer the whole world looks like a nail. And that's a statement that refers to perception, to the way that the mind works. And that if you're in a certain frame of mind, the world is going to look a certain way. Not because that's the way the world is, but because that's the way you are because that's what's going on in your mind. So questions that one could ask themselves. Can I still rage? Can I still grieve? Do I have depression? Do I ever get angry? Do I ever experience deep sadness? Is guilt or shame ever a companion of mine? Or is there something that you fear in the world? Or your mind tells you that you fear it in the world. Well, if you have those energetic dynamics within yourself, it's time to stop the denial and the pretense that what you're experiencing is about anything that's happening in the world. Because it's not. There's an interesting piece of information that comes from the CIA's website where They've spent who knows how many of your tax dollars determining how to best get the highest levels of perception possible. And, quote, in their studies on perception, what they say is the mind does not record reality, 
but rather that the mind generates reality. Our minds, from the content active in us, literally generate the world that we see. So if there's a particular energy active in us, depression, anger, guilt, shame, what have you, the world is going to be structured out of that. And the reason that your perceptual world is going to be structured out of that is because you've been taught to believe or to think that something outside is causing something to happen inside of you. If there's rage, grief, depression, anger, sadness, fear, guilt, shame happening on the inside, and you hold the thought that something outside of you makes you that way, then your perceptual creation, the world that you see, will show you that it's something outside of you that's making you that way. And when we live in that kind of denial, and and in this work, our specific definition of denial is when I think or speak as though something outside of me is the cause of something inside of me, then I have to hide the cause of what I'm experiencing that's inside of me. I have to dissociate from it. And when I dissociate from the cause of what's going on inside of me, then I tend to get stuck in whatever that energy is. Again, rage, depression, grief, sadness, fear, guilt, shame. And and when I dissociate from that, I am no longer able to change that part of my mind. I'm no longer able to access that part of my mind because my denial has said to me, to my mind, you must hide this from me. You're not allowed to show me this. And when you recognize that an energy that's moving in you, if it is something that's less than your human life, less than love. And, of course, we we have a simple way to determine what a human life is. Just hold a newborn child. You know what a human life is. Remind yourself that you are love. And all thought or action taken out of energies other than love damages you. And it damages anyone that you are in resonance with or is in resonance with you. And so if someone is in, in difficulty, in trouble, and you are experiencing some sort of sadness, grief, rage, fear, your energy literally, energetically radiated to that person will tend to hold them in that place of disease or disorder. And The reason why when we think of someone, if they've got a challenge or a problem or a disease or something going on, the reason that we're in some sort of pain or turmoil is because of the unresolved energies that we have around that person. If, in fact, you had no unresolved energies around a person who's in a place of, you know, they're in some kind of a challenge situation, if there were nothing in you that was unresolved around them, then your mind would instantly go to the space of love and you'd be a space of support and healing for them. Unfortunately, because we've been trained by our culture and we've spent our lives teaching our minds that it's all about somebody else, then the tendency is to hold the person 
who's having a challenge, in that challenge by your own hostility or fear, when you say to yourself, something makes me mad, you can stop the madness of that false belief that something outside of you is the cause of your anger if you understand forgiveness and you're willing to engage in the process of collapsing the world based in the false belief. Forgiveness, when it is habitually engaged in, will progressively free you of all untoward emotions until you're simply not capable of any form of hostility or fear. And as you change those things in you, you literally change the energy that you spray out into the world, and the world starts to change with you. There's a, uh, a powerful lesson from A Course in Miracles. It's from the section, chapter 21, Reason and Perception. It's the second section in that, in that part of the book. And the specific place that I'm going to quote from, and I'm going to quote with a few edits. The title of it is Responsibility for Sight. Depending which printing of the book you've got, it might be on page 448. And some copies of the book, I believe it's on page 502. Responsibility for Sight, Chapter 21, Reason and Perception. And it's referring to forgiveness. It's, 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 introduced, it's already introduced the idea of forgiveness. And so the tools for changing the mind, it says, this is so simple it cannot fail to be completely understood. Rejected, yes, but not ambiguous. And if you choose against it now, it will not be because it is obscure, but rather that the little cost seemed, in your judgment, to be too much to pay for peace. Now, let's, let's take a, a look at the forgiveness process as it applies to the output of the mind. So if I'm in some sort of pain or turmoil, something is driving that pain or turmoil in me. The something that is driving that pain or turmoil in me is a goal I hold for something I'm paying attention to, myself or another. So the goal being the driver, and there's a section in the course that defines forgiveness and its, its definition is, precise, is precisely the same as the definition in the first century Aramaic teachings of Yeshua on forgiveness. The Course says, let go all the things you think you want, that is your goals, and then it describes your goals as trifling treasures. It says your trifling treasures put away, that is your goal, canceled, collapses perception and leaves a clean and open space within your mind for healing to occur. And so that's what this particular passage in the course is referring to that the cost in your mind you may think is too much it's so simple it's impossible to misinterpret forgiveness it's impossible not to understand it completely and totally here's how the human mind works when you load a goal in it that goal 
causes the mind to use certain data to, to construct its perception, to construct its reality. That's about as simple as it gets. And if the goal that you load into your mind brings forward some form of hostility, fear, rage, guilt, grief, sadness, guilt, shame. The reason that happens is because it's there, not because anything's happened in the world. Simply, it's there. And the goal recruits that content and the content turns into a literal picture in your mind of the world that you think is outside of you. Have you ever had anybody who accused you of saying something you never said, doing something you absolutely never did? Notice the state of mind that they were in when they accused you. Notice that it wasn't a state of love. It was some form of hostility or fear. Well, why did they, being in hostility or fear, accuse you of saying something you never said, of doing something you did not do? Well, here's why. Whatever it is they're accusing you of is something inside of themselves, and the goal they hold for you is causing their mind to use that something to build their brain's picture of you. So literally, you show up in their mind with their problem attached, but they think that it's your problem. So if you think your hostility, fear, rage, guilt, grief is caused by someone outside of you, the way that you get to the root of the energy that you're feeling, and, and we've got a test we've developed in this work for determining whether or not something you're feeling is yours or not, and the test is pretty simple. Are you feeling it? If you're feeling it, you're feeling it because it's your content. If it's showing up as pictures of others having a problem, it's because your mind is lying to you. The reason it's showing up in your mind as though someone else is having a problem is because of your denial. And remember, denial is when I think or speak as though something outside of me is the cause of something happening inside of me. Then I have to hide that cause inside of me, and I have to hallucinate a world where the problem's outside of me. So the cost of getting rid of the hallucination the cost of freeing yourself of another layer of the untoward emotion is the canceling of your goal. Putting away, as the Course calls it, your trifling treasure. Let go all the things you think you want. And what happens is the perceptual world that's projected from content moving in you that you've denied or dissociated from, that perceptual world collapses. So there's a cost. You've got to cancel your goal. Well, Michael, what if I have a perfectly wonderful goal? I just really want – it's this person in front of me that's so rageful at me right now, and I just want them to be loving in me toward me. And I'm feeling really irritated that they're not loving toward me. Well, my offering would be that their rage toward you isn't your problem. That's their problem. Your problem is your irritation. 
And notice that you think in terms of, boy, when they do that anger thing, that really irritates me. Excuse me. Your goal for them to be loving toward you is causing your mind to use your irritation to produce a picture of them and blame them for your irritation. Cancel the goal and that perception collapses. The cost collapsing perception that's untrue is the goal that you hold. Well, Michael, if I just want them to be loving to me, why would that be a problem? Well, it would be a problem because in your file on being loved is irritation. Because when someone doesn't fulfill the goal, that's what your mind uses to build your picture of them. So cancel the goal and the perception that it's about them collapses and you get to drop into the part of your mind that's in need of healing. It's just so awesome to understand that. And as the Course says in this section, if you choose against it, it won't be because it's ambiguous or can't, can't be understood. It's so simple. You can reject it, but it seems like the cost is too high to pay to return your mind to peace. And then this lesson goes on, and again, I've added a little bit for, to shorten it a bit. It says, this is the only thing you need to do for vision, happiness, release from pain, and complete escape from all error. Now, that's a big promise. This is the only thing you need to do. This is it. Here it is, folks. Now, there is one little caveat. And what it says is, for all that to be given to you, vision, happiness, release from pain, complete escape from error, say only this, but mean it with no reservations. If you have a thousand generations in you that go against you understanding the truth of how your mind works, how your perception works, and how the world works, then you may have to say this a few times to get it through those generational beliefs developed and dissolve them. So here's the key. I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience, and I decide upon the goal I would achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. Now, the average person, when something shows up in their lives that they're in denial about and they don't want to deal with, their response to that, well, well, Michael, how did I ask for this? All you had to do was hold the energy. Remember, to a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail. I was communicating with someone on Facebook a little, a little bit ago, a short time ago, and talking about the insanity of war and their belief was, well, you know, you got to go out and kill those bad guys. And so we're doing this conversation and about four times she came back with this really graphic picture of, well, what if, you know, a 10-year-old child had a bomb and brought it into your house and exploded it and was standing there with a gun at your wife's head? And I mean, just this graphic picture. And after about the fourth time she repeated it, I wrote back and I said, you better stop asking for that, lady. 
And she's like, well, well, I wasn't asking for it. I was asking if what well, would feel if you, it's like, excuse me, if you put an energy into your field, you just asked for it. All that something has to do is cross your brain cell structure. And energetically, it becomes your asking. Oftentimes people will say, well, when I, when I have a, something that shows up in my life and I don't know why or how it got there, I just wonder what I did to attract that. It's like, well, when it showed up, what came up for you? That's what you did to attract it. If somebody showed up doing this and you went into a rage, it was your rage that attracted it. Whatever you hold, literally, is an energy. Energy moves. By definition, energy is motion. motion, Pardon me. And anything that moves sets up a literal high energy measurable wave. And because we live in a world of resonance, and in the human realm, resonance means that whoever holds the matching energy is going to move toward you. You know, resonance in the inanimate world creates motion. If I hit a middle C tuning fork on a desk and put a second middle C tuning fork in front of it, the second middle C tuning fork is going to move. It's going to start to vibrate because of that law of resonance. Well, in the human realm, it not only creates motion, but resonance creates motion towards. So the person who keeps describing graphically the attack that they don't want to have happen, you know, this is a, a lesson Job gave to us several thousand years ago. After all of his drama and trauma, he comes to the conclusion, ah, that which I feared most has come upon me. So hold an energy. Keep talking about how you don't want something to happen, and that's your asking. So once again, I'm going to just quickly read that first sentence and then move to the next one. I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience, and I decide upon the goal I would achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me I ask for and receive as I've asked. Remember that asking means that an energy just needs to pass over your mind. Deceive yourself no longer that you are helpless in the face of what is done to you. Acknowledge but that you have been mistaken and all effects of your mistakes will disappear. In other words, if I can access that which I've denied and dissociated from and bring it forward in the presence of love, if I can own it, then I can throw it out. And as I throw it out, all effects of that mistaken energy will begin to disappear from my world. Internal, in my cellular structure, the disease is caused by that untoward energy, and externally, the people who show up to play it out with me. So the course goes on here to say, it is impossible that you be merely driven by events outside of you. It is impossible that the happenings that come to you were not your choice. Your power of decision is the determiner of every situation in which you seem to find yourself by chance or accident. No accident nor chance is possible within the universe is created, outside of which is nothing. Suffer, and of course, what does that mean? If I refuse to apply forgiveness, if I refuse to cancel the goal that drives my suffering, whatever my suffering looks like, anger, sadness, rage, guilt, shame, whatever it is, if I refuse to cancel the goal then I will continue, that drives that, I'll continue to suffer. So this lesson says suffer, and you decided error was your goal. Be happy. What does that mean? 
You forgive your suffering. You don't forgive the person that you've been blaming for your suffering that you think they caused it. You know, that guy over there talking to you can't cause anything to happen inside of you except through resonance move what's already there. And if someone does you the favor of informing you of an untoward energy that you hold within you, say thank you and do your forgiveness work rather than keeping on talking about them and thinking about them. So be happy, that is forgive your suffering, and you gave the power of a new choice to the creator for you. Susan goes on to say, begrudge not this little offering, withhold it and keep the world you see it now. Give it away and everything that you see goes with it. Never has so much been given for so little. Here is the world you do not want brought to the one you do. How do you bring the world you do not want to the one you do? Well, once again, let's recognize the truth of my being I can experience if I've forgotten by holding a newborn. That awesome active presence of love is who you are. In the forgiveness process, the step before canceling the goal, we invite people to reconnect to the most powerful connected space of love that they can. And this is the key to the whole process. If you're in a circumstance or situation, you say, well, you know, I, well, with this group of people, I can't talk about love. Well, good luck in doing forgiveness. If you can't get them back to the master healing energy, you're not going to have the impact that will come when conscious, active, present love is in the space. So when I'm connected to that active space of love and I cancel the goal that's driving my pain, then instead of the projection of the pain that's moving in me into my brain's image of another, that projection collapses and I get to drop into direct relationship and interaction with the root of the pain. When the root of my pain comes forward in the presence of active love, it begins to dissolve. So the Course says here, this is where the world you do not want is brought to the one you do. You must perceive that what is strong enough to make a world can let it go and can accept correction if it is willing to see that it was in error. So literally, the human mind creates a whole, generates a whole world, the one that we see. And you'll notice how often the Course talks about the world you see, the world you see, the world you see, the world you see. When we can collapse the world we see, we begin to heal Otherwise, the world you see does not witness to what's going on outside of you. It is a witness to your own state of mind. So this lesson goes on to say, the world you see is but the idle witness that you were right. 
So in other words, when you say, you made me mad, your mind will generate a whole world that shows somebody else is the cause of your anger. Remember the last time somebody was in anger and they accused you of something, doing something you didn't say, didn't do? They were living in a hallucination. Anybody who's living in any form of hostility or fear is living in a lie. They're living in a hallucination. So the world you see is an idle witness that you were right. This witness is insane. You trained it in its testimony, and as it gave it back to you, you listened and convinced yourself that what it saw was true. You did this to yourself. See only this, and you will also see how circular the reasoning on which your quote-unquote seeing rests. And the reason that word seeing is in quotes in this lesson is because the world you see is made up by whatever energy is moving in you and only attests to your own state of mind. And so when you choose to change the perceptual constructs you have about the world, you will see that your perceptual world changes, your physiology changes, and because now a different energy is moving in you, a different energy is literally spraying out from you on the people around you, the people around you will shift. And as they shift, you say to yourself, well, this is just a miracle. Look at that. I did forgiveness work and they changed. Well, when you recognize that whatever energy is moving in you in any given circumstance, that's what's going to create your perceptual construct. And that energy, because it's moving in you, is literally energetically radiating out from you and spraying on everybody in the territory. So if what's moving in you is some form of hostility or fear, you are first and foremost spraying hostility or fear into your own cellular structure. That hurts and reinforces pain and just reinforces the insane perception. And that literally sprays out. You know, imagine somebody standing there with a high-power sprayer, and when they're in hostility or fear, they're spraying everybody around them with that hostility or fear. Most people don't respond overly kindly when you spray hostility or fear on them. When you take responsibility, when you cancel the driver, the goal for what's spraying out from you onto others, you collapse into that and bring love to it that heals in you. And when that energy heals in you, then you're moving love inside yourself. And now your high energy sprayer is spraying love on the people around you. Which way do you suppose you're going to get the most positive response? The parent who approaches their child in a rage because the child did something is lying to themselves. You've never approached your child in a rage because of what they did. You've, if you've ever approached your child in a rage, it's because there was rage in you resonated by what your child did. But the child did not, could not, cannot place the rage in you. It resonates because it's there. And if that moves in you and you approach your child in rage, 
It's like having a, you know, you've got a power sprayer and you're just spraying rage on the child. How do you suppose the child's going to respond to you? So many parents say, you know, I just don't get it. Why Johnny won't talk to me. You know, that's little, off they go. On a diatribe against their child. When the child, not understanding how the world works, the parent not understanding how the world works, the child is being sprayed with that rage. It's not long before the child starts to spray back rage. Now you get a parent and a child doing that, and it devolves into insanity. When the adult stops and says, oh, I want Johnny to get A's in school, and I'm really angry because he doesn't. Oh, wait a minute. I'm in denial. I'm thinking that my anger is caused by Johnny getting a C. My anger is caused by the content of my own mind. Hmm, how am I going to clean up that anger in me around Johnny not performing properly? Oh, I'm going to cancel my goal for Johnny to perform properly and get an A. And when I cancel that goal, I get to collapse in and maybe I'll go back and see myself at the age of eight coming home from school with a C on a report card and dad spraying rage on me. I get to end the generational patterns when I function as love. I get to carry on the generational patterns when I let go of that insanity. And the whole purpose of this work is to make the tools of how to remove insanity from the human form available to every mind, heart, and being on the planet so that we can actually begin to function 24-7, 365, whatever the situation is, as human beings, as that awesome active presence of love. And so we are most appreciative of the fact that you're here to lend a listening ear and you're willing to do your work to demonstrate the impact of forgiveness and again the simple bottom line the word forgive in Aramaic is shabag shabak it literally means to cancel if I'm in some sort of upset and I cancel the goal that's driving my upset then I can come forward and communicate about what's going on inside of me rather than having to hide and blame somebody else for it. I get to collapse into the root of that energy by canceling my goal. I get to process through in the presence of love that which is hidden in me that causes my pain, my disease, my disorder. And as I'm freed of it, I come forward more powerfully as the active presence of love. Imagine the day when seven and a half billion people wake up and because critical mass has been reached, seven and a half billion people function as the awesome active presence of love. That's the why of this work. That's what we're looking to achieve. And we invite you to pass it on to somebody. If these ideas make sense to you, or there's somebody that you're saying to yourself, oh, I wish such and such were listening to this, well, when the show's over, go to the archives, download the MP3, attach it to an email, send it to them, or copy the link to the MP3 and send that link to them. And we're honored and delighted that you're here to share this space with us. And Jeannie, I know that Dr. Tim isn't with us today because uh, he shared that he was going to be at a picnic today. I'm just hoping he has this beautiful day in Chicago as we're having here in Ellington, Florida, 
probably not quite as warm. It's a little on the hot side here today. But uh, is there anybody in the phone queue, Jeannie, with a hand up? Or anything happening in the chat room to be aware of? No, we've got a lot of people on the switchboard, but nobody has their hand up. If you're on there and you want to talk, just hit one on your phone. That'll put a hand up and let me know that you're wanting to talk. You're not just listening. There's a couple of people in the chat room with me today. I've been out there alone for a couple of days, but uh, Uh, they don't have a question except they wanted to know where you were reading from, and so I gave them the chapter and the section. Cool. Um, They asked if that on the favorite chapters. They ask if it was on the website or Facebook. No, The Course in Miracles is actually a, a book that comes in three parts. It's like the, what is it, the teacher's manual and the workbook and mm-hmm. and something else. What's the third? Textbook. And textbook, so it's a yes. totally separate. You can also get it, though, as an electronic version. If you do a search online, like it, just put in the uh, the initials ACIM, Responsibility for Sight, and there'll be several sites that will show you that passage, that whole section. As I say, I edited it down for purposes of the show and time, but uh, but you can do that. And I think there are plenty of places you can go and freely download the course, uh, as well as of course buy it in uh, in a paperback format or hardback format. And I gave a couple different page numbers because there have been several versions of the book printed, different size print, different size pages, and so it moves around a little bit too. So, But if you just put in ACIM, uh, Responsibility for Sight, it will take you right to several sites that, uh, that have that. Some of them have it with commentary, and some of it are just uh, the straight text. But you can – I'm pretty sure there are several places you can download the whole course free on your phone or, uh, or on your computer. And it's available. You can put ACIMsearch.org, and then you can put in uh, anything. You know, it's a Course in Miracles uh, search site. So ACIMsearch.org. Cool. Awesome. So let's see, if, if I had been, let's say, at your local library or university or church or, you know, presenting in your uh, corporate office the ideas that I just presented, and I completed my presentation and walked down off the stage, I know you'd have a dozen questions for me. I know you'd be walking over, and, and here's the words you would say. This is what most people say. I just have a quick question. It's interesting. Everybody's question is a quick question. Um, and oftentimes, of course, the answers aren't so quick. But, uh, but if I had done that and you walked over to me, what would your question be? And, and some people you know, hesitate to hit one on the phone because they're like, oh, my voice might be shaky. I might embarrass myself by not speaking too clearly. You know, let go of all of that. It's the questions that are important. We're here to interact and, and deepen the understanding of these ideas and these tools. And so if I had just walked off the stage, what would you be walking over and asking me? Push one. Through the magic of technology, that puts a little hand up in the phone queue, and uh, she will know you want to speak to us. We actually have three hands up right now. Let's go for it. First one is 651. You're on the air. 651, give us a name. Where are you calling from? Hi, Michael. It's Diane calling from Oregon, and I never have quick questions. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. Delighted to hear your voice. I haven't talked to you in hours. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. This your topic just brought up so much for me today. Um you know, because I think I'm a good example of, you know, when you were talking about having somebody else in your life that looks like the issue and, you know, um, I listen on Wednesdays. I was, years ago, as you know, I was married to a man who became an alcoholic while we were married. And so it looked like he was the problem. And if he'd only solved that problem, you know, things could have been so much better. So naturally, I was determined uh, not to have any more alcoholics in my life. But I still find myself at times, you know, very, um, very much connected with people where I can see clearly that there's some kind of a problem that they need to solve, and I need to be supportive to them and help them solve that. And at least that that seems to be my deal in life. And being a nurse, of course, I uh, I also support a lot of people in in their healing and um, mm. and being in their life what they want, but. On Monday or Tuesday this week, I, I did get into some content about that and um, was lucky to get the support of my partner in breathing through some of that and discovering that, you know, my mom was not a rageful, angry person. She was a very sweet, gentle person, um, but very driven by uh, perfectionism and a, a strong work ethic and and I remember, you know, times as a child when I was aware that she was really, really happy when she was doing housework and singing. And, and I think that, you know, part of what's, what's up in me is recognizing how much when she wasn't happy, how much I wanted her to be, how I felt like all she did was work. And... You know, I remember coming home from school one day and when she was cleaning the oven and not very happy about it, and I said, Mom, why don't you just pretend that you're finger painting with the oven cleaner? And, you know, of course, she thought that was ridiculous. But, um, yeah, I think... Sounds like good advice to me. (laughs) I know. I thought it was. (laughs) I thought it was. But, yeah, I I think I spent a lot of um, my young years, you know, wanting my mom's life to be better. Um, to be happier, to be more joyful. She didn't really have hobbies. She was a great mom, um, but she put herself into, you know, taking care of us and, and you know, keeping a perfectly clean house. Uh, that was a big deal for her. So I think I brought up a lot around that the other day. Um, and, I, you know, I called not knowing exactly what I was going to say, just knowing that I think there's still more under here that needs clearing. You know, I feel like I'm not really done yet because it's, yeah, I still feel like, okay, you know, if if somebody around me has got something that needs help, I need to be the one there to do it. And it, it sometimes distracts me from my own life. And um, and yet that is what my own life seems to be, um, it, you know, is helping others. Um, and I also noticed that, you know, it, it, relationship is so important to me that sometimes that, I don't want to call it a distraction, it's just a delicious thing, but... I find sometimes I get into my own inertia and my own having difficulty doing the things that I need to do because I just feel um, exhausted and worn out or lack of motivation or um, used to suffer from depression. I don't think I do anymore, but I still get into this this thing where it's just hard to move forward and I'm not sure why. Um, so, you know, I'll be continuing to do worksheets on all this, but I, yeah, I'm not sure where else to go with it right now. That's kind of where I'm well, 
You know, Shakespeare gave us a big clue when he said, my words fly up, my thoughts remain below. And I never speak words out of an energy other than what's moving in me. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and of course, in Laws of Living, the intensive that you did recently, we spent a lot of time talking about regulatory speech and how that speech that we use regulates literally our physiology and what's called our chemistry, our emotions, our perceptions, and it's the energy we spray out into the world and becomes the world that we get to interact with. So I'd invite yeah. you to, to look. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say yes, and I once in a great while I catch myself saying not, <laughs> but not very often. You know, I yeah, I'm just barely. I'm a real I'm a real baby in terms of observing that regulatory speech in myself. I'm really learning. So yeah, happy to get your your thoughts on that. Right. So notice that your conversation about your mom started out with what she was not. Mm-hmm. My mom was never rageful, I think was the word used. There was another word similar to that. And then you went on to say how she was happy and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. My offering would be that a good starting point might be to do some worksheets around your mom raging. Now, maybe that never happened. And maybe it happened so early, and this is where you learned where the boundaries were and how the behaviors could be done. You know, oftentimes when the child starts to grow and become more cognitive, the adult will check themselves. But before the child has, you know, real conscious, aware cognition, sometimes an adult lets things fly that they wouldn't do in front of someone who can understand what it is that they're saying or doing. So there might be, and my experience over the years is that oftentimes if one thinks of a parent, there's some sort of energy that's off and they can say, well, my parent was always, you know, wonderful. Sometimes there's an early, early, early experience where that adult just went off on them. And that was part of how they learned or when they learned they had to follow every goal that the parent had for them and be perfect or else they were in big trouble. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that, that may be a place for you to look, seeing as how your conversation started out with those words about what your mother was not, uh, you know, chances are there was some of that in there that you've hidden from yourself. And if, if that's true, if it's there, then you will only benefit by being able to access it, confront it, and forgive it, remove that energy. And it may be pretty confrontive and difficult to do because you hold your space, your mom in this space of such esteem, and maybe there were moments where there were other energies since your conversation started there. Yeah, that sounds good. And it's interesting. I can... I can think of times when I was a teenager when she carried some rage <laughs> towards me, definitely. Um, harder to think of that when I was very small. In fact, when I was really small, um, what I notice is their sadness because um, my parents moved about 2,000 miles from home 
for my dad's job and she expressed to me a lot of sadness about being so far from her family. Uh, and I, yeah, I kind of wonder how, you know, how, how would a child interact with that other than of course, to desire that your parent not be sad. And, and the child very possibly would attempt to reach out to fix that for the adult and mm-hmm. being unable to fix it, you know, you know, mom says, I'm sad because I'm so far from my family. No, that's not true. That's denial. Mm-hmm. If I'm sad, it's because I have sadness in me. Now she can put it on, you know, the stove not going well or being far from her family. But the fact is that if she'd have applied forgiveness to that part of her mind, then instead of sending sadness energetically and spraying it on her family several thousand miles away and dragging them down, the instant she thought of family, she'd just go to love and she'd be spraying love and lifting them up and communicating and connecting on that higher level, which is blocked by the lower energy getting in the way. But the child looking at that says, oh, I, mom, oh, I want to fix this. And of course, the child doesn't have a clue what the real energetic dynamic is or how to do anything about it. So there's another clue, another piece of the puzzle that you might look at because if you remember in the healing through relationships workshop, we talk about the idea that when that, that there are three magic words that destroy relationship and the three magic words for destroying relationship are you made me. And the reason those three magic words destroy relationship is virtually everyone, when they were small, saw a parent or someone dear to them that was in some sort of difficulty and tried to fix it for them and couldn't. And when they couldn't fix it for the adult, most children made up four very powerfully painful emotional thoughts. One of them was, it's my fault. I can't tell you over the years how many people... I've worked with who came from divorce households and and the divorce happened in some cases when the child was a year old or still in utero and the child holds today as an adult. It was my fault. So when the child can't fix it for the parent, they make up my experiences. This is what most makeup is. It's my fault. And I should have been able to fix it. I didn't fix it. Therefore I am a failure Therefore, life is hopeless and I am helpless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's what the average person makes up in response to trying to fix something for the adult that the child can't even comprehend, let alone fix. So I would suggest from, from what you just shared that you might want to work on hopeless, helpless, fault, and failure. You know, it's my fault. I'm a failure. It's hopeless and and I'm helpless. And that hopeless, helpless is the kind of thing that when, if if that's an energy that's moving, that's what makes it hard to overcome the inertia and get going and get doing, you know, as you described, sometimes you have trouble getting to what it is that needs to happen. Oftentimes I think you'll find that will be the energy that gets in the way. So you might just do some worksheets around, you know, that very situation of mom being saying that she's sad, projecting her sadness onto being far from family and, Uh, look at your goals and collapse those and see what that opens up for you. You might also just, just as another tool, you might 
put yourself in your mom's position. Go back and remember her in that state and then do a worksheet as though you were her around the issue of being separated from her family. Mm-hmm. And you may find yourself opening another part of your own genes, and you may find yourself opening a space for mom to be freed of an energy that she never knew how to free herself from. That's sadness. Yep. Yeah, I feel lots of energy on everything you just said. That's great, Michael. I will do that. Awesome. Awesome. Fabulous. Well, we're here to hold the space and keep us posted in any way we can support you in each step along the way. Please call us and let us know because it's a gift. You know, I think you just gave a gift to the whole community with those questions. Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michael. All right. Thanks, you. All right. Love and blessings. Look forward to seeing you in St. Louis and in, at Heartland this summer. Bye-bye. Great. Bye-bye. Okay, Jeannie, you've got another call. We've got about uh, six minutes left. We do. Area code 760, you're on the air. Hey, it's Anne in Ocala. Well, hey there, young lady. How are you? Hey, good. Well, Part of my question was answered, but I still have a little bit left because Diane resonated some similarities. Um, okay. So I was doing the work. I, I just want to run it by to see, okay, I'm on the right track because I think I'm going in the direction that you were just talking about. Um, when I okay. raged, pet and rage didn't help, but I raged at my husband and he wasn't feeling well anyway, so that didn't help. And I was apologizing as I was raging only because I knew should have been raging. <laughs> you could catch yourself in the middle of it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. However, I need to do a formal uh, apology. But, okay, so I'm, I'm doing the worksheet, and I get down, and I see that um, the, the whole story was, or the thought was that, um, you know, I wasn't getting credit for something I already needed to do, and I wasn't being insensitive, but I was taking that from his comment. I was taking it as being insensitive, and... Why don't I get credit for that? Well, it goes back to, I see that when I get down to, I see that my step-parent um, power person, which was my step-father, did not, right. he was controlling, um, he was a Navy chief and he'd never had kids before, he'd been married before, never had kids before, but he, I was never allowed to um, ask reasons why or ask anything when you're told to do something, you just do it. And I was You're just supposed to follow orders. Right, right. So is that still dynamic where you don't get credit for anything because you're not even allowed to say anything? And then then you don't get credit for things that you do come up with on your own because, well, why should I be allowed to come up with something like that? Right. Well, you know, there's a a big problem in our culture where approximately 25% vets a day are killing themselves and I think this is one of the reasons because they are so brutally treated and if they come out of a childhood with pain around you know things like not being able to have a say not being acknowledged being a nobody then the whole military brainwash just reinforces that and it's instilled with such rage and trauma in those people that when they get back home and have to face it they're raw with it sadly many end their lives and that's you know one of the problems with the military brainwash as our culture uh, does that and 
So as a, a child coming out of that type of, uh, of, they call it discipline, but it isn't discipline at all. Discipline means properly taught. That's more the, the world's game of properly controlled and properly beat up. And so, uh, you know, that would be a, a place to um, forgive and, and recognize, work toward removing all the dynamics from your stepfather's relationships, from your father, because that's your power person, it sounds like, at least one of them. And it sounds yeah. like you've linked your husband into your power person file there. Yeah. And so you might want to do some diligent work on releasing him from that file. And then remember the, what the apology tool looks like. You know, when, when in, in the culture, we're taught to say, I'm sorry for doing this. And when I say I'm sorry for doing this, people who say they're sorry a lot become sorry people. And this becomes the focus of their lives, the focus of two people's conversation, and the tendency is going to be for it to happen again. So remember that the apology tool looks like, I apologize. I take responsibility for being off base with that and then make the focus of your apology what you're going to do in the future if that comes up. So in the future, you know, I'm going to be conscious and I'm going to communicate with you about, you know, my memories about my power person who was so disciplining and so, you know, so uh, striking out with such uh, intensity. And I realize I've projected that on you and I'm ready to forgive it. I'm ready to free you and me both of it. Yeah. So that would be more what the apology would look like than the old I'm sorry game. Right, right. At least I was using yeah. it. Sorry, I got that far. Okay, so, so, so if we didn't get all of this when we were younger, but we got it as a teenager, as, as um, Diane was remembering, that still um, is put on us, or we still are underneath that, even though we're older, because maybe we Here's the key. Here's the key to uh, codependence, and the key to the power person is when this person had more control or power over my life than I did, and I perceived it as survival. That's what puts it into that power person dynamic. Right. Okay. And so when I perceive that my life, you know, and as a teenager, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm physically threatened that I'm going to die, but it can be, you know, the, the, the teenager who's like, gee, I just want to go out and be with my friends and this disciplinarian screams, you better do this first. And, and the threat is, you know, it's like the teenager holds that, oh my God, I can't go see my friends. I can't, I can't speak up. My life is over. It can be that kind of threat that can make it a power person dynamic. Absolutely. And so it can happen at any time in one's life. Okay. Tends to be more childhood, but it can happen at any time. Right. Okay. And, right. and if, if we need to, maybe we can pick this conversation up on Monday because we're down to just the last few seconds and I have to close out the show. Uh, so if, if, you, if it works to call the show early on Monday, we'll continue the conversation and see if we can help to ferret out the next level. In the meantime, we hold the space that your weekend is an opening healing weekend and the same for everybody. And we invite everybody to create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and myself, Jeannie Rice, as we present the Internal Aramaic Process of Forgiveness. 
We are here every Monday through Friday from 1 to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael, myself, or Aramaic Forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org. Thank you.